Speak clearly if you speak at all. Carve every word before you let it fall. A message is rendered more powerful when it is beautifully delivered. And beautiful communication comes in many forms. Crisp, clean language, personal stories, metaphors, poetry, strategic use of silence, alliteration. When delivered at the right time, on the right occasions, in the right way, and fitting with the person delivering them, all of these devices can make information sing. episode of The Water Cooler Effect, we will discuss inspired or creative modes of communication with all their benefits and drawbacks. I found the perfect individual with whom to explore this topic, Dr. Cyril Garrett, a professor of philosophy at Heritage College and Seminary, senior pastor at Force View Church in Oakville, Canada, orator, published author, animated father of three, and award-winning hip-hop artist. He knows how to add inspiration information. For our conversation, I met up with Cyril at his office in Oakville. Thanks for joining us, Cyril. My pleasure. So you've chosen a career path that requires a lot of talking. Yes. In your work as a pastor, as a professor, and even as a successful recording artist, communication style and skill seem to be number one on the required competency list. Definitely. But good communication goes beyond talking, doesn't it? Yes, communication is uh, basically getting uh, an idea or a message from one person's mind into another person's mind, right? And then hopefully uh, that actually affecting some type of behavioral change as well. And what would you say good communication is? Good communication is communication that accomplishes its goal. So different um, moments require different forms of communication and different desires for communication. So for example, um, sometimes when you're speaking you want to change someone's behavior. You're kind of like, pick up that or whatever, right? So you're Mm -hmm. trying to get some action to happen. Other times you're trying to uh, process information. So you're trying to get them to understand a new way of thinking about things. Um, And and other times you're uh, trying to uh, evoke pleasure. I always like to tie it back to um, Plato, where he talks about the the true and the good and the beautiful. And there's different times when you're using language. So sometimes it's performative, you're trying to produce some type of good. Sometimes it's informative, you're trying to produce some type of new truth being understood. Um, and so you're always trying to tap into this. And sometimes it's just tapping into the beautiful. When you're at a, a poetry slam, someone wants to hear uh, something that's really just beautiful, hits your ears in different ways. So, mm. so I guess the good communication be a communication that accomplishes one of those goals and usually they're kind of tied together okay and so how would you define creative or inspired communication uh, creative communication for me is a communication that would um, in some way tap into that uh, performative aspect it's not just merely informative so you're trying to uh, not just relay information, you're trying to uh, somehow uh, affect uh, a person's um, behavioral patterns or or even their their mind state. So you're trying to um, allow them to remember what's happened. Because if you you have just the 
the informative aspect. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can get a lot of information across, but you will not necessarily be effective in the long run because you're going to need them to actually listen. So, so you can drone on and on about physics and someone just gets bored and stops listening to you. Well, if you use some creative communication in, in the midst of that, now the person's actually been engaged through both uh, pleasure and purpose, the goodness of, of something, and now they're going to uh, be inspired to, to take that into uh, I guess into their, their minds and think about how this now next their lives not just uh, here's some more boring facts <laughs> so is it uh, introducing different modes into a message that you're giving yeah exactly you're trying to make sure that all uh, areas of, uh, of a person are being met at the same time and that's that's not easy mm-hmm. uh, but it's also uh, very helpful because I do believe that when um, the words I was using before, truth and beauty, uh, are combined, they kind of have an extra effect. I'm kind of getting this from Augustine and from other uh, ancient uh, writers and rhetors where they would talk about the fact that when, and Cicero would talk about this as well, when you um, allow someone to, to hear um, a, a truth, you know, there's something really important about that and very effective about that, but if they also can, can hear that beautifully, now the beauty and the truth have come together in a new way and impacted the person so that uh, it's become more than just the sum of the parts. And so mm-hmm. now that we're remember this uh, it's I think of something like um, Martin Luther King jr. when he does the I had a dream speech that's not just kind of giving you information oh I had a dream last night or here's my idea of what ideal America would be now I'm hearing like the beauty of the, of the rhythm of the, the cadence of the voice and, mm-hmm. and everything now I, when, when I hear I had a dream well that's gonna get me motivated I'm gonna like my life is gonna be changed by that speech and in fact America is changed by that speech they now are a place that has a black president because I believe that that communication, that creative communication didn't just give facts and didn't just give beauty. Together they do something that's dramatically more powerful. Yeah. Is it, is creative or inspired communication something that you can teach someone or something that can be learned? Uh, I think so. Uh, mostly because I believe a lot of people say, oh, I'm not a poet, or I don't, you know, they, they, get, they get very nervous around these things, mostly because you have a bit of a fear of actually trying to, to create pleasurable speech and it failing. And so I think most people think, oh, I, that's not me. However, what I would say is that every human is born with this creative dimension, at least the ability to appreciate it. Some people are going to be better at delivering it, but when a child's born, you can go ga ga goo goo ba ba boo boo or whatever, <laughs> and the kid smiles like everyone has this within them. Mm-hmm. But as we get older, we're told like stop being a child, or do you know what I mean? And we're, we kind of squash that part of every human, but it's in you. So I I get that there's going to be some people who are specifically extra gifted in that area, but it's like telling everyone that you can't say a sentence that gives facts. Well, well, yeah, everyone can say a sentence about, I am uh, living in Toronto, right? Like, you can give that. So, yeah. so everyone has a, that informative dimension, but everyone has a performative dimension. Everyone understands that there's this aspect to language, which we can call the poetic. I'm thinking of like someone like Roman Jacobson, um, uh, Russian linguist, who would basically say there's a whole aspect of the message, which is the words itself. And everyone notices those, and everyone can do better at using those words. So, yeah, you can practice it. I, I remember myself, um, I kind of give an example from my hip-hop side of things. 
uh, when I went to England, I had written a lot of rap verses. I was quite happy with them. I thought that, you know, and we do these things called cypher when you get a bunch of people in a circle and you kind of do your, your, your verses. And I would come in the circle and I had my verses. I had a bunch of them written, maybe 10 or something. I thought they were great and people were like, oh, good. But then after I did my 10, they kept going. And I was like, whoa, they were freestyling. They were just rhyming off the top of their head spontaneously. And that petrified me. And, and then I, was, I went home and I was like, I, I'm not gonna be able to kind of walk in these creative circles unless I learn how to freestyle. So I went into the shower and I was like, I can't freestyle. Everyone said that when they asked me, can you freestyle? I was like, I can't freestyle. And then I just started rhyming in the shower and that was horrible at first. And then slowly but surely, I, now I can do it. I've been doing it for years. And I tell every person I meet, there's a lot of people who do poetry or rapping. They're like, oh, I couldn't do that. And I say, just start practicing. You're going to be bad, and then you get better at it. So any speaker who'd say, oh, I can't do any, anything like that, well, just why don't you just write out a nice little illustrative story? Or at, at the end of your um, speech, maybe have a couple words that alliterate or have a couple rhyming words in there. Just some, some place. Just try it, and you'll, you'll start to get a taste for it and yeah you can definitely uh, start to utilize it and you start to recognize if you're subtle with it that it has an impact that you, you didn't expect people kind of it, it gives them a, a pleasure in a, in a way that lets your message now stand stronger that there's so much in what you just said that stands out to me and one of them is that um, the relationship or or the there's the informative and then there's the performative and for you the performative is often rhymes and poetry, right. but for someone else, performative might be the image or the story or the definitely metaphor or something that they add in. What um, I I also love how you were talking about practicing, and uh, that it can be learned, it can be taught, but it takes a certain boldness it, as well. It does because everyone. Um has this part of them that I think is a natural uh, instinct to protect yourself and public speaking is that something that people are afraid of like this is a common high up on the list of fears across North America people are afraid of public speaking mm-hmm. um, and part of that is because I think you're exposing yourself you're opening yourself up to critique you're gonna have that snide cynic kipster kind of the ah, whatever uh, and so so we're afraid to, to open ourselves up so you're basically you're making yourself vulnerable in front of a group of people and you're doing that even more when you start saying like oh I, I tried to add this little element that is poetic or you know, now you're you're opening your heart up even more if i'm just giving facts that's one thing but now i'm trying to show my style and your style is very personal and someone attacks that it kind of hurts more so so i think people don't try to practice it and they kind of keep it out of bay but once you start opening that up a bit and letting that out then like you said like different people have different styles different techniques that they'd be more natural using but now you've now become a more effective communicator because people are seeing past just the, the veneer or the facts and they're starting to get a connection to you and 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 the medium is the message in a certain sense so if they start to feel that they're connected to you personally now your message is going to be more effective do you think that it's a it should be a mandatory skill for leaders something that they should work on and fine-tune i do believe that um if you want to be uh, the most effective leader you can be, then you should be practicing these these areas because you will see your effectiveness double or triple the more you're able to pay attention to how you speak your message. Um, and it, if you kind of just say, oh, I'm not, I don't have enough time for this, you don't have enough time not to because 
this is the way that you make sure you send the message once rather than why is no one ever listening well maybe because the way you said it was unlistenable or or unremarkable and forgettable but now you've kind of learned to say and learning some of the things that what are your key points how do you say that that one point in a, in a sentence that will catch in people's mind. Uh, what is that? I always call it the homiletic point. Like, how do I say my main message of this whole speech in a way that they'll remember? So it's something about driving a truck or something. So that now you have the image that's not yeah. just the, the words. Or if it is words, it's words done in a, in a pattern that kind of... This is why we see, um, typically, people are doing, uh, even to this day, Aristotle kind of set up the basic format of, modern speeches which you know your three points and because you can remember three points and sometimes they all start with the letter p because now mm-hmm. you can remember those things. and sometimes they're cheesy and it seems like cheesy but they're like that because they're effective so you just find what is the way in which i can use these kind of mnemonic techniques that help keep these things in people's memory so that when i walk away i i've now been that much more effective as a leader yeah mnemonic techniques that is a term I've never heard before, but I like it. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the drawbacks of Mm. experimenting with the performative in communication. What are they? Um, I'd say distraction, uh, dissatisfaction with the lack of facts. People, sometimes if you you lay it too heavy, they start to not be able to hear what you're saying. They only hear the patterns of words. And I remember this when I was practicing with this sometimes in my sermon stuff. My wife was like, I get distracted. I get lost. I can't hear the actual sentence or the point because now all the rhymes are kind of distracting me. So there's a sense in which you got to be really careful when you use them and use them at effective moments. Otherwise, people kind of, they lose the message and they're just focusing on how it's being said. And the other thing is... Um, any type of inspirational leadership involves this like people who are charismatic and inspiring you're gonna always have those few people who are looking at the corner going uh i don't know about this guy because (laughs) or this girl because she's uh just trying to butter me up with a bunch of nice inspiring words where's that the content so you gotta be really careful that you don't um forget that you need to have meat and content like it's got to have you got to have facts you have logic behind this and this is what when i think about truth and beauty i was talking about that balancing sometimes people think of uh poetry or something just being fluffy and um, but that's not true like some of the, the strongest truths can be spoken in poetry in ways that uh are succinct and therefore much more impactful mm-hmm. um, i'd also say like syllogism or logic when someone says something to me a really simple argument and it hits with a profound truth i would go oh, that's beautiful so I don't think beauty and truth are opposite. I think they're one and the same, actually. They're just showing different aspects, especially language use. So when I say something beautiful, um, there should be truth in that. And when I say something truthful, if I can say it in a beautiful way, they come together again in a more impactful, powerful way. So we got to be careful of um, definitely not overdoing poetic devices or imagery because uh, that will distract people and will detract from what you're trying to say. Yeah, I think of some of the... Uh, communication skills courses that I've taught and people often ask you know when should I use PowerPoint when Uh, should I introduce a video into this which are modes of different types of communication and my rule of thumb is it needs to add to the content and not not detract from it or not it needs to enhance whatever the message is yeah I just saw a really funny article it was in a satire article that said uh 
pastor finds Bible passage to uh, illustrate his video clip. And I just thought that was hilarious because it's this idea like, oh, I love this, this video so much. Tell me I'm going to fit this into this thing. And it's kind of so cool. It's like, well, is that really helping anything that you're saying, right? You're trying to teach yeah. this. So I think you're right. It's, it's just a device. It's not a... Yeah, and it should enhance the message, not take away from it. So you're, I think you're right that uh, with stories there's a narrative, there's such a rich... Uh, usage in history for how do we use stories to to impact and, and leaders in many ways narrative is probably the 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 device as i called it that's most important yeah your own personal stories stories you've heard hmm. and I, so you're a spoken word type artist yes. and you have fine-tuned that skill over time and it strikes me that it's a lot like jazz Yes. Jazz music, to be a great jazz musician, or to even just be a jazz musician, you have to have, have mastered the foundational skills of music. You have to right. know, you have to have the theory down in yes. order to really play in that space and yes. to be effective at it. Otherwise, it just becomes noise. I think that's a great way of putting it. You, the, the best... Uh, speakers uh, who break the rules and like, oh they break the rules like because they know the rules so well that they know when it's effective to break a rule and, and same with jazz musicians when they when they bend the musical thing because they know the music so well and so I think that's part of it is as I'm able to you know I've been working for language so long I know how it all works and now whenever you deviate from it it's useful because you understand the, the rules so I think that's one of the, the things like I, the best uh, surrealist painters or abstract painters like someone like Picasso he could paint realist first and then so you can tell you can tell the difference between someone who's like I'm an abstract artist you're like oh, that's just really <laughs> you know you can tell that they're not that skilled because the the best skilled abstract artists are the ones who already understood how it really works and I think you're right with communication like when you start learning uh, the how language works and, and how you can effectively communicate and the rules of those communication then you can start playing with them afterwards so I think that's a great the jazz comparison is really important to understanding how you use this kind of inspirational mode of communication are there uh, are there any other drawbacks to creative communication um, well, there's just there's a sense of which sometimes you can you personally can get so tied into that side of things where you forget your goals. So what what am I trying to get done with this? Um, and and you can lose your your focus. So uh, I think one of the things you need to do is like uh, keep in mind what what is the result I'm trying to get out of this, and keep emphasizing that for yourself because it is um, very easy to to kind of lose people in in all the the rest and and you lose yourself right because. Um, sometimes uh, it's the, the pleasure of the speech itself can be kind of overtaking. So there's, yeah, I, th I definitely think uh, you need to make sure that you keep in mind your goals. Otherwise, you will lose yourself and lose your audience. I'm thinking of a recent popular event where a well-known spouse of a politician went up to make a speech, a very important speech, gave a reasonably good speech and then added on a piece of art to the end to illustrate a point which really didn't land with the audience. It was a song. Right. So yes. this person sang a song. Yes. And when you looked at all the coverage of that event, the song detracted from the point of the event. It ended up being the things that all the trolls kind of dug their <laughs> fingers on. in. And that's why everyone remembers about that particular speech now. Like the whole rest of it was lost. And it and it actually, I think it uh, it defined her as a speaker. Yes. So you you're right. You have to be very careful that um, you 
just the substance of who you are isn't lost in these things. You, you're, you're taking it. You are taking a risk with these things. Um, and sometimes if they land really well, then they'll be the thing that people remember, and it'll be really a powerful thing. But if it goes wrong, then it's gonna it can blow up in your face. Do you test creative modes of communication with people first? Uh, sometimes that's a good question. I mean, I feel like I've now tested enough that I kind of trust myself with, with things. Um, but there'll be certain things where I'm like, oh, I don't know about this, but I better ask. And, and my wife's a good test because she's usually pretty uh, critical. <laughs> so I'll know, you know, if it goes past her, then I'll be in a good spot. I like to say to everyone, every presenter is a poet. Every leader is a lyricist. And what I'm trying to say to that is you need to pay attention to how you use words. And this will make you a more effective leader if you start to understand how language works and how your language is communicating. And you try to practice some of these techniques. Usually the best place often is at the end of a, of a, a speech, and that's how Aristotle put it. That's where you put your emotive content in. You've already helped uh, give the facts, you've already helped use logical argumentation, and now you're trying to take that and, and just bring it home, right? And, and, and that's where you'll find that, you know, your, your voice start to get louder or lower, or you start to play with um, emotion. You're trying to actually now uh, bring in personal emotions into it because you're not, it's not just to, you know, use emotion to manipulate people, but now like these truths and these facts are important and let's get excited about them. Or, hey, we should be concerned about this. This is something that's going on in the world and we better take care of this situation. And same with story, right? When you're gonna bring in a story, like usually often we bring them at the beginning as a nice picture to help set the tone or at the end as a illustration of what we've been talking about. It is effective sometimes to use storytelling. Like I like sometimes where you can tell a story where you have your maybe your three kind of points or your main points that you want to get across about something and you start to use one story to illustrate each of those elements. Mm -hmm. And that's really effective. That's a little more advanced, but um, personal stories really go to the heart and, and help people now buy into this, this truth in a way that is more effective than just pure here's my three point facts. and connect with the speaker as well on exactly. a human level and, and once you connect with the person because you got to think to yourself like am i do i like this person is this person fake is this because now all everything is tinged with that if i don't if i don't really trust this person now even though i see these facts like where do i know these facts came from what kind of so once the person is trusted as a, a or, or at least uh enjoyed or appreciated then you've you've won half the battle right yeah, I love that you're bringing in some tips here and also that you're pointing out that it's not just singing, words, it, poetry, it's vocal tone. Right. It's You were sort of speeding up at one point to illustrate your point to me, yeah. and I was leaning in and listening as you were doing that. Um, there's many ways where you can bring in these different devices. Yeah, and I mean, the presentation, that's why we have all these stylists and things as well, right? There's a the whole visual aspect now to video and, and things that become very important as well, so that, which aren't necessarily my specialty, but they, they, at least you don't want it to distract people. In this age of TMZ, BuzzFeed, PowerPoint, are we losing the art of really inspired communication? And I'll give the example the speeches of politicians of years gone by. When you read their speeches or when you hear recordings of any old speeches, they're moving. Right. Are we losing that at all? If we are, it might be just, again, the medium because television takes sound bites out and so now you're looking for that one little thing. And someone like Winston Churchill, they're building and building and building and then you can, same with the, with uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Like that speech, like there is that line I have dreamed, but like, 
he gives you pictures after each time he says it. That's a poetic device he keeps repeating, but he's building on the imagery, and so you're getting taken up into it. And so now in a day and age when you we're not given enough time, and the, and they're saying that the audience's attention spans are a lot lower. I think they're higher than they think. Like I know I've been going. I go can forty five minutes sometimes, and um, and pe- people can hold on a little longer than we thought. But it is true that we're starting to we're starting to lose this, and so now we're trying to tailor things to the smaller mm-hmm. time set and uh so uh, the ted talk 19 minute exactly quota. right and, and i mean if you know you had that to work with then you kind of hopefully will be able to take some of what we talked about and put it into that time frame but there's something about the building too that you're right the the master uh speakers uh, from from old uh it might be harder to, to come across that because you need to already have uh, enough clout for people to say, I want to listen to this person for this long, right? Now, I, oh, I gave you, because people are going through YouTube and flipping off and within 20 seconds. Right. So that's another thing you got to recognize. You got to get, get in off the jump, right? Well, in the spirit of keeping this podcast shorter, <laughs> how about I jump to the last question, which is really, uh, I, I'm asking you if you have any advice uh, to people who might be holding back or afraid to explore creative modes of expression. I wrote a little something uh, that I thought, would be good for this. It um, helps kind of with this whole idea of leadership. Dare to be a leader, prepare to be a bleeder. People's attitudes puncture like stab wounds. Bloodlust at this juncture, swear about a leader. So it's just saying, you gotta step out and try some of this stuff and um, be ready for some critique because now that you're opening yourself up a little bit, you're gonna get opened uh, and people are gonna be able to kind of hit at some of these things. But just just go for it. and. Um, in terms of holding back, um, let it be your voice. Like, don't just try things that aren't you, but try to just sprinkle little bits in. Maybe for the next time you do something, come up with a little story, a little picture that's a little bit, uh, you know, stretching you. Or maybe uh, try to put a few uh, devices in there. What I would say is, don't draw attention to what you're doing. If you try to draw attention, I use a rhyme there, or I did alliteration, now you've lost the magic of it, and people, we'll take that and go whatever with that. So so you gotta be really careful with devices. Don't point out that you're using a device. You destroy its power. So that'd be a little piece of advice I'd give to someone um, as you start to experiment with this stuff. Um, just make it part of, part of the natural flow of things. Don't overemphasize it. Well, that's great advice. Thanks again for joining us, Cyril, and My I pleasure. hope to have you back sometime. I would love to, thank you. I was speaking with Dr. Cyril Garrett in Oakville, Canada. In the next episode, I will be in conversation with George Heller, former CEO of Hudson's Bay Company, and we'll be talking about why companies should hire athletes. This is Claire Carver-Dias for The Water Cooler Effect. <laughs>